the fire. I kept asking him, why don't they teach some of this stuff at school? I mean, you could just incorporate it into classes and stuff, like basic math and, and things that you're going to come across in life. And this kept adding and adding and adding. And I kept making notes about this. I'm like, well, why don't they teach this? Why don't they teach that? And then, you know, like they're doing math stuff and teaching percentages. I'm like, why don't they do it in a way that it would be kind of practical? Like teach them how the credit card works, like the percentage on your credit card. And that ended up being the book. Welcome to through the fire, cutting through the passions, clearing the smoke of the cultural confusions of the world today. Talking God's love and God's solutions from a biblical Christian worldview. And now, here's your host, Marie and Gregory Seltz. The doctors are in. Hello, hello, everybody. I'm Marie, and welcome to Through the Fire, where we are on the case talking about the tough issues in the culture today, facing them with some psychological and theological explanations and applications that we hope will bless you. And I'm doing this solo today. And this topic is so important. I have to say, you know, here in the U.S., February signifies the month of love and sweethearts. And choosing a sweetheart is or should be serious business. After all, you may not only be choosing someone who will be your husband or wife, but the father or mother to your children. Today, I'm talking with someone I recently became acquainted with rather accidentally and then intentionally. Let me explain. Years ago, when our daughter Devin was going away to university, we wrote a book on what to expect and how to survive college or university, and we never got around to publishing it. Just didn't prioritize it with everything we had going on in our lives. So recently, I thought, let me update that content and illustrate it and get it published. So I scanned the internet to make sure that no one else had done what I wanted to do the way I wanted to do it, and up pops this humorous little book titled Graduation Gift, A Funny Look at Life, money, and gratitude. The title amused me. A funny look at life, money, and gratitude. So you have humor and you have Thanksgiving as part of the reading experience. And it is written and illustrated by Joseph Benrick. So I researched it, ordered it, and wanted to meet the author. And I'm so very glad I did. He is very worth meeting and knowing, and I want you to know and meet him too. Joe's bio describes him as a small business owner, father of four, happily married guy born in Queens, New York, and raised in the suburbs of Long Island, who is fascinated by all the skills a person needs to thrive in the real world, and curious as to why those things were not taught in school. Joe authored Graduation Gift as a somewhat humorous introduction to these topics. Through a wide variety of personal and work experiences, including being a brick cleaner, a laborer, a tugboat worker, a cook, a livery cab driver, boat launch driver, ditch digger, wire puller, sheetrock installer, ship simulator operator, navigator on a fast ferry, secretary, construction foreman, general contractor, property manager, author, book publisher, scout leader, and father. Joe tries to share his practical knowledge. That's a lot. I don't even know what some of these things are. And in his time off, when he has it, he can be found spending time with his family out in nature or in his garage tinkering with something, always looking for a better way. Welcome to the program, Joe Benrick. Thanks, Marie. Thanks for having me on. It's my first interview, but it, I'm excited. Oh, my goodness. I'm so glad I found you. I'd have to say, you know, when I found your book, 
like I said, it was really amusing to me, you know, because you wrote it and you illustrated it. And I started looking at it, and it's so different. And I want to talk about that later on. But first, you said you were born in Queens, New York, and raised in Long Island. And we lived in New York City for about five, six years. I really, really loved that. And I think everyone, I mean, it's just a fabulous place to live. You learn so much living in that part of the States, I have to say. So tell us a little bit about what your family, what your childhood was like. Okay, yeah. So my parents immigrated from Croatia before I was born. So 1962, my dad came over. Then uh, they were living in Glendale, New York, and that's where I was born. And then um, my father is a general contractor and a developer. And uh, it's another great story. He came from essentially from nowhere, nothing, little town in in Croatia and um, came over here and built a good building and all that uh, size company. So then he moved us out to Long Island. Most of his work was in New York City. So a lot of my time uh, when I was growing up, uh, at least early on was not early on, but when I got a little older, was going to various construction sites with him. And that's where I started. The brick cleaner job was my first official job. Okay. Very good. So your father, why did he take you along with him to the jobs? Uh, That's a good question. Probably to learn. You know, he wanted us to kind of get an idea of what was going on. Did you have other brothers and sisters? Yeah, I have an older brother and two younger twin sisters. Okay, twins. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So your father, he taught you. And do you think he was a good role model for you? Did he model a lot of what fatherhood means to you? Yeah, he was, he was a little bit on the tough side, um, but he was probably one of the smartest and hardest working people. So from that aspect, yeah, I mean, he really, he was a guy who would get up at five and come home at 11 pretty much all the time. So it's like, if you're looking at a work ethic, you couldn't beat him. And he was a really smart guy. Oh. He was a smart guy. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And today you are married to Michelle and you have four children. Tell us a little bit about your family life today. Okay. So my oldest is uh, 23. He's just starting in the work world. I got a 21-year-old who just graduated from college and then an 18-year-old who's just going to college. And then I have an 11-year-old who's in sixth grade. It's a big spread of years between there, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. But it's been great. That's been one of the blessings in my life. And so what led you to write the book? Really, the kids did. I was just been years and years. Like, there's little things. It's like, boy, I'm kind of like wondering. I kept asking them, why don't they teach some of this stuff in school? I mean, you could just incorporate it into classes and stuff. Like, like, you know, just some kind of basic math and and things that you're going to come across as you you would in in life when you get out of school and stuff. And this kept adding and adding and adding. And I kept making notes about this. I'm like, well, why don't they teach this? Why don't they teach that? And then that ended up being the book. Really? So whenever your children would ask a question, you would write it down and keep track of it? Yeah, it would be that. And as well as, you know, like they're doing math stuff and teaching percentages. I'm like, why don't they do it in a way that it would be kind of practical? Like teach them how the credit card works, like the percentage on your credit card. Right. Or, you know, what percentage the tax rate is. It's like that would seem like a simple enough thing to incorporate into their math classes and history and that kind of thing. Yeah. So I was interested in how you came upon the topics that you cover in the book because it it varies. I mean, you have a lot. It's only, I think the book, let's see, it's 180, 130 pages, 130 pages long. But the topics that you cover are so good and it's so clever, really, the way that you make it interesting for the reader. 
like page 50, you said, okay, first of all, let me say this. You illustrated it, and the illustration and the reason I found you was because you, you, you used a stick figure, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's the extent of my drawing capacity. And you named him Joe. Joe is your stick figure. And he graduates, you say, into the real world and stumbles across some of these lessons. So he asks little questions, and then you have really clever, like you either provide a quote or you give some kind of reason or value to the question. And at the bottom of it, you have a QR code that sends the reader to a place that describes and illustrates or shows you how to start doing whatever the question is. How did that happen? The book itself is actually version number two. So version number one, I had all these resources and I put it in the back of the book. And I was like, wow, that's just, I don't know if they're gonna make it to the back of the book. So why don't I put the resources on each page? So my wife has suggested, why don't you put a QR code and that way they could link directly to that quote or article or video, whatever it is that I was trying to explain in the page and they could go right to it. And I said, that's genius. So I uh, incorporated QR codes. It'll bring you right to whatever the resource is on that page. Right. And so it's really inspirational. I have to say, as a therapist, I've worked in multiple settings and in universities and I've taught. And, you know, the, the attention span of today's generations that are up and coming is quite different than the, the attention span we had and the generations right underneath us and before us. And so, you know, this engagement, this interaction really helps them want to keep reading and learning. And then it's not so long. And the font size, everything is just so pleasant that you chose. And the little, you know, illustrated character that you have here, he doesn't take away from the content at all. He really, really helps you just to focus on what what you're wanting them to learn, right? I think it's just so well done. So on page 50, you know, your little stick figure says, do I know anybody who's done something like what I want to do? Would they help me if I asked them? And the stick figure looks at his grandparents. And so it's so great because it's multi-generational honoring, I have to say, which today with ageism and, you know, you don't see that. So this is really honoring of the older people in your life that have lived and really have experiences to share, right? Yeah, people have tons of experience and they've been there and done that kind of thing. And it's like, why don't you just ask those people? They might not have the exact answer for you, but they could at least tell you their story. And you could be like, wow, I could either do that or, you know, something like that. Right. Or what I learned not to do. Right. That's probably the bigger lessons. It's not that like we're so we're so smart. You know, people who've come before you, we're not that smart. We've just made all the mistakes. It's like, just don't do what we did here. Go the other way. Right. This particular question says how to find and keep a mentor in 10 not-so-easy steps. And I have to say, you know, one of the things I always would teach my students, I taught in business schools and psychology, of course, because I have degrees in both. But I would tell them, you know, it's important to find a mentor, you know, whether professionally or, you know, personally, to support you and to teach you as you grow and to help you. Because, it's hard to do things by yourself and to learn a lot of things by yourself that you don't have to if you have a mentor, right, to connect you and to kind of show you. And so one of the things, like for me, I stepped out professionally and I went to someone that I really admired his work and I wrote him a letter towards the, you know, the final kind of golden moments of his professional life. And, you know, at that time, they're wanting to pass on their work. And he invited me to come and learn from him. 
it was phenomenal. I, w- I couldn't even answer the phone when he called me. I just let him leave a message so I could have his voice on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the moment, the day, and what I was wearing, you know. <laughs> but, you know, I just, I love how you wove that into it because, you know, sometimes we don't do that. And there's such a disconnect between I think a lot of it has to do with social, which is social media, people, you know, it has done some good, it has done some bad, and you can't say it's all one or the other. You've used it in a very good way with the book and the way you're using it. And I think the way that you're connecting people with it is just fabulous. So um, you said your children would come and ask questions. How else did they kind of, aside from your wife coming with a QR code, did they have any other input into how the book was produced? Yeah, they, they had a lot of input because another thing that, that school and stuff just doesn't really kind of teach or even touch on is where do you want to head? What do you, what is it? What's inside of you? Like, what are your gifts? What are you able to do? And one of the very first things in the front of the book that I tried to do is to, to ask that question, what do you want? You know, and then it's tough as a parent to try to help your children or guide them if they, you don't know really what they're where they kind of want to head. So I thought that was one of the, you know, one of the main things that I got from them. There's like, okay, let's see where you want to head and let's try to get you on that track. And let's try to find out what you're good at and what your gifts are and try to incorporate that. Yeah. And the thing is, it's like, you're doing this as a father, right? And a lot of people do not have fathers in the home. And I have to say, as I'm looking at this I myself had a father, but my parents divorced, and so my father was not in our home, and he lived very, I mean, hundreds of miles away. So, you know, having a book like this that just kind of empowers you, because a lot of kids don't have another person holding their hand. You and your wife have committed to each other to hold each other's hands and hold the hands of your kids. That hasn't been everyone's story. So when you have that book like this, that asks you those kinds of questions at the beginning and at the end, which I'm going to jump now ahead from where I didn't really want to. <laughs> but at the end, I loved it because you said, now let's start with some simple questions. And you kind of give a little things to think about. What do you want? What do you want to be? And then if you don't know, if this isn't working for you, then go to the negative. What don't you want? And that's so brilliant psychologically. It really is because sometimes, you know, I can't tell you how many kids come to, you know, university and they they have to declare a major and they have no idea because they haven't lived long enough to know, right? And then they feel like they should know. And there's all this pressure, like I can't choose classes because I don't know what I need to be and I don't know what I want. So asking, what are you good at? What do you take pleasure in? Most of the time people say, what do you like? Instead of what are you good at, you know? And and asking those kinds of questions, and they can answer those questions without pressure, right? Just honestly for themselves. I just think this is such a good book. And I have to say, you don't charge enough for this book. <laughs> no, it's it's tied in. It's tied in what I'm doing there. And one of the pages there talks about how to become a millionaire. And I get a lot from Steve Harvey. And his method of how to get to become a millionaire is you don't need a million dollar idea because that's very daunting. He says, just find something that you can do and repeat it and find a $10 thing. Well, can, can you do something for $10 and just repeat it or $20 and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it? Well, we're going to try to repeat it for you because I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you can buy multiple. You know, teachers are, get paid so very little, right? And I remember I would keep, I still do, even in the work I do today, I purchase things for clients and for some of my students um, that I had. And I would have things 
that I could give them, you know, that I could afford. Because I knew, listen, if you're in business for yourself, I know a lot of teachers cannot, but if you're in business for yourself as a therapist or whatever, you can afford, you can write this off as a business expense. And it helps them. And it's just an empowering book. And I really, really appreciated it. So when you were writing this, what challenges did you encounter in getting this produced? Pretty much all of them. I've never written anything for public consumption before. So uh, this started out as um, a bunch of what I call chicken scratch on various pieces of paper all over the place. And then uh, it was just like, um, I should try to find that somewhere. It's, it's actually pretty funny. It's just like I was on the edge of a piece of paper and it was a stick figure and, you know, he's holding some money. And, you know, then I was like, all right, well, what, what are some practical things that you would do once you've kind of gotten, let's say you've gotten a job and you've already started to make a little bit of money. It's like, okay, what are the things you're going to have to do? Not kind of like theoretical, but these are things that you're going to actually encounter as you're going through your life experience. So that was kind of what I wanted to write about. The challenges was I knew nothing. So I spent a lot of time on Google and YouTube trying to learn how to write and, and uh, organize it and how to make a book. I can't tell you how many videos I watched on putting a book together and, and, you know, publishing it through Amazon or through um, various other entities and uh, every mistake. I made every mistake. <laughs> but you kept persevering. So you did have challenges. Did you ever doubt or hesitate that, you know, what you were doing, there wasn't a value or there was no validity to it? Did you ever doubt yourself? Not, not like that. Um, I doubted my abilities to actually get it done. I was just, there was, there was some times I was like, man, this really sucks. I don't want to do this anymore. It was because I'd be spending hours and hours trying to put it together and write it and trying to learn. And um, there were times where I was like, ah, this is not, but uh, I could just kept at it. I was just like, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to finish it. I'm going to put it out there and uh, make a go of it. I bet your wife was praying for you all along the way, wasn't she? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. I know she's a prayerful woman. I know she's a prayerful woman. And, she is. Yeah, and you're very blessed that you chose well and that uh, you have a person of faith like you do to keep your family grounded and together. It's an important aspect. And a lot of people don't put enough weight on that, but that's uh, it's an important aspect. It is very important. And it's the most important thing we can pass on to our children because life is tough and we need to know we're coming from a place of victory, right? Because we're, it's going to be hard, and we will end in victorious, even though the road is rough, you know. And if kids don't know that today, oh Lord, I don't know how they get through a lot of it. That's why they come see me. <laughs> yeah. And then the one thing I'm really hoping that they get is they could just, you know, they can talk to you at any time. You know, it's just you could just, you can pray anytime, anywhere. You don't need to go anywhere. You don't need to be, you know. It's it's available to everybody. So it's just you could do that, and I'm hoping they got that. I'm, I think they did. Yeah. You know, they got that message. So you're, you're not alone. That's right. There's a Savior that's with you all the time, even when it feels like you're alone, right? Yep. That's exactly right. And I get that from you. So I think being a father, it never stops. You're always called to be a father from the very first breath to the last. And I love that you decided to prepare them and then share this knowledge that you were accumulating with everybody else as well. Okay, so what do you want people to take away from your book the most? What is the most important thing from you? Just having some basic information. What I tried to cover was just basic stuff. Nothing, it's nothing high level. It's all stuff that, um, essentially, I went to my 10-year-old at the time <laughs> and I was like, okay, do you understand this? She's like, yes. It's like, could you explain it to me? She's like, yes. I'm like, 
okay, then I then I did my job. It's it's not complicated. It was just some basic things that if you have that basic understanding, it'll be a lot better. Yeah, because I mean, you have things that would scare people in there when you talk about percentages and you talk about mortgages and you talk about those kinds of things. Those people are like, oh, that's too complicated. I don't want it. But it, you're right. You did make it very readable and understandable. So it's not a complicated order, right? <laughs> Just, yeah, trying to keep it simple, keeping it at that. Uh, I don't know where I got this, but somewhere along the way, someone said, uh, you should be able to explain something to a 10 year old. Yeah. And that way they can understand it. If you can't explain it to a 10 year old, then you probably don't understand it enough. Right. You should go back and learn it. And then, you know, until you can. And that's why I think in the beginning, you you dedicated the book to your wife primarily. You said, to my wife, Michelle, thanks for letting me be me. I love you. To my kids, this little book is filled with all the stuff I was trying to teach you. I hope it serves you well. I love you guys, Dad. It was, it was lovely. What did you learn about yourself as you were going through this? I guess I'm a persistent little bugger sometimes, you know, I'm just, you know. That's good. Uh, That's good. Uh, that was one of them. You could learn anything, okay, if you're willing to. It's one of those. Uh, I had kind of already known that, but it's like I'd, I've had to recreate and relearn things over the years many, many times. And uh, it's just another one of those things where if you just take the time and the energy, you could learn. You could learn anything if you want to. You're absolutely right. Research and now today, there's really no excuse. You can really kind of teach yourself, right? A lot of times, yeah. It's just. I mean, libraries are still there. People don't take advantage of them, but the library is still there. You can go online. You can go and research stuff. You can pull out a book. You can, you know. That's right. Our uh, program is produced by Family Vision Media, which is supported by a family library where home education is really important. I talked with you about that earlier. So, yeah, you're right. Libraries are very important today still and relevant, and they're there for everybody. So this was your first book. Do you plan to write another? I have some ideas for other ones, yeah. I'm probably going to have to go take a little deeper dive on topics that I did start, like investing stuff and that kind of thing would probably need a little bit more explanation or some more practical examples of what that what I'm talking about. So yeah, there's there's an idea for another one. In the works. Down the road. Okay. So why don't you share where and how your book can be purchased? Okay. Yeah. You can go to uh, gradgift.net, which is my website. You can get it on Amazon. If you're on Amazon, you got to put on the full title because the search engine hasn't found it yet. Yeah. That's, those are the two big places. And bookbaby.com. That's a publisher, is, uh, right? Which is the publisher that published the, which I published it through. I self-published it, but I published it through bookbaby.com. Gradgift.net. Gradgift.net. And I have a I have something for you that I found that I think is very appropriate. It's a poem. I want to read it to you. It's titled Only a Dad. Okay. Only a dad with a tired face, coming home from the daily race, bringing little of gold or fame to show how well he has played the game, but glad in his heart that his own rejoice to see him come home and to hear his voice. Only a dad with a brood of four, one of ten million men or more plodding along in the daily strife, bearing the whips and the scorns of life, with never a whimper of pain or hate for the sake of those who at home await. Only a dad, neither rich nor proud, merely one of the surging crowd, toiling, striving from day to day, facing whatever may come his way, silent whenever the harsh condemn and bearing it all for the love of them. Only a dad, but he gives his all to smooth the way for his children small. 
doing with courage stern and grim the deeds that his father did for him. This is the line that I, for him, pen, only a dad, but the best of men. Thank you for being with us here today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I appreciate it. And it's been, a, it's been a fun interview. Oh, good. I'm glad. I wanted it to be so for you because I'm sure it's going to be just the first of some others to come. And I wish you all look forward to talking with you again. Okay? All right. Okay, thank you. And remember, there are two kinds of fire in the world, the one that burns and consumes and the one that burns and empowers. May God's word and God's love burn brightly in you, giving you strength to face any fire. Till next time, little embers, I'm Marie. See you soon. Through the Fire is a production of Family Vision Media, familyvisionmedia.org.